This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. It's the hottest Twitter address in the universe, uh, Libs of TikTok. Have you heard about it? What they do, some anonymous person started this a while back. Not so anonymous anymore, though. More on that in a moment. What they show are, well, liberals of TikTok making absolute fools out of themselves and sometimes spouting very dangerous points of view and doing really ugly things. They're revealing Libs of TikTok. And it's brilliant. Watch. So that's an attempted abortion that some TikToker put on TikTok for her friends. But our friends at Libs of TikTok found it and put it on Twitter. And you might imagine that there would be some criticism of this behavior. And that's what drives the liberals crazy. The criticism. You can't do this. You can't show what we're doing to the world. To the world. There's more. Let me be as clear as I possibly can. I am glad they shot Ashley Babbitt. I wish they'd shot more of those terrorists. And I hope the next time you people try and overthrow our government by force, they meet you with maximum force. Wow. Um, They did meet them with maximum force, by the way. How about that? He's glad that an unarmed woman was shot and killed. These are the kinds of ugly things that liberals say on TikTok and they think they can get away with it. Well, they can. It's a free country. You can say this stuff. And a person with a Twitter account is allowed to highlight it, right? Mm, They should be. Take a look. So my gender is this, what you see right now before you. And my gender is this. First thing when I wake up in the morning, my gender usually looks something like this. But by the time I finish getting ready, my gender might fall somewhere in this vicinity. Okay, so uh, you see what we're dealing with here. And uh, they just don't want to be talked about with the world outside their world. Sorry, when this individual gets on camera and talks about being a Satanist, that's of interest to us, especially some of these people have roles in the classroom. Yeah, all kinds of crazy teachers are talking about some really wild stuff. And uh, we wanna know about that. So I think Libs of TikTok is great. They point out these absurdities and they put them on their own uh, website. Like two people kissing with a mask on, right? Did you see this? They thought it was kind of ridiculous. Uh, The health community said, this is the future. No, Libs of TikTok, good for you. So you know what's happening here. Liberals don't like that they're being outed. So liberals went to out the libs of TikTok. Who started this? Washington Post. Uh, They dedicated tremendous resources to find the person responsible for libs of TikTok, who is anonymous, prefers to remain anonymous. And you're allowed to do that. But the Washington Post found out who it was. Taylor Lorenz is the technology columnist who did this. She's 
pretty notorious, by the way. Uh, here she is um, complaining about online harassment when she herself has engineered so much online harassment, even against children. I've had to remove every single social tie. I had severe PTSD from this. I, I contemplated suicide. It got really bad. You feel like any little piece of information that gets out on you will be used by the worst people on the internet to destroy your life. And it's so isolating. And terrifying. It's horrifying. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's overwhelming. It's really hard. <laughs> I would be more sympathetic if she did not earn her living doing what she's complaining about, outing people online and getting close to children. This is what she's known for. Take a look. She has messaged children via social media to get them to talk to her on the phone and get them to let her into their house and follow them around. Uh, she has exploited minors who were in emotional distress for more clicks online, like with Kellyanne Conway's daughter, Claudia. Uh, to have a photographer come is overwhelming, she once said. A lot of kids don't want anything to do with it, especially if their parents are not fully aware of what they are doing. Falsely and very publicly accused a tech investor of using a slur online in an attempt to infiltrate free speech, a free speech website. Uh, look, she's not a nice person. She's complaining, you saw, tearing up about all the online bullying she's getting, but she orchestrates it for others. She actually went to the person behind Libs of TikTok, their actual home address. Ding dong, I'm here, a reporter. This is just not done anymore, shouldn't be done anymore, but it's okay when the left does it, not when the right does it. Okay, next, the White House. What happened there? That was yesterday. We talked about this last night. Why is the Easter Bunny acting like the White House chief of staff? Something very strange is afoot. And look at Joe's reaction when the Easter Bunny actually shows up. It's like the Easter Bunny is the boss. Joe started riffing on Afghanistan and Pakistan, and the Easter Bunny was not down with that. Stay on message, Joe. This is about Easter eggs, not your international screw-ups, of which... Well, I've been thinking a lot about actually lately. You know, Afghanistan, remember, most Americans believe this. If Donald Trump were in office, none of this would have happened. And what did happen? We had a horrendous, horrendous loss. And what is still happening? This I'm shocked by. The Wall Street Journal had a big story. The situation is so chaotic that Afghans are actually selling organs, sometimes the organs of children. Take a look at this one story. Many Afghans who sell kidneys have found themselves struggling with insurmountable debt with no apparent way out. Kidneys sell for thousands, thousands of dollars, and most people can live with just one, one kidney. Gul Muhammad was besieged by people who had lent him money. He and his wife decided that unless they sold a child, they would have to sell an organ. Both of them were unsuited. The choice fell on Khalil Ahmed, their second son. This is horror movie stuff. It was the last option, Mr. Muhammad said. No father in the world wants to sell his son's kidney. The buyer offered roughly $4,500 for Khalil's kidney. Since the surgery, Khalil said he has been in pain and too exhausted to play with his friends. 
This would not have happened if Joe Biden had lost and Donald Trump were president. Many of us believe that the Ukraine invasion would not have happened if Donald Trump were in office. Therefore, the atrocities would not be occurring. This uh, politics, presidential politics, real world stuff results. More on this. What do you think Putin was thinking when he met Joe Biden in Geneva last summer? I mean, he was taking the measure of the man, right? Wouldn't you, if you were thinking about invading a country and you had to take a good look at your adversary or potential adversary? What did Vladimir Putin, when he saw a smiling Joe Biden, which is really all he needs to, all he knows how to do, unfortunately, and when they were inside in closed door meetings, uh, I feel like there's no way in the world Donald Trump uh, would have let this happen. Putin wouldn't have tried it. Do you really think so? I don't. Meanwhile, Joe is still bragging this time about how poor he once was. I was listed, I was, had the great pleasure of being listed as the poorest man in Congress for 36 years. I still had making a hell of a lot more money than anybody else because I was getting a senator's salary. No kidding. I didn't think you should make money while you're in office. But at any rate. But at any rate, he managed to live in the richest man in Delaware's house to buy it, the DuPont Mansion. He bought the DuPont Mansion when he was a member of the Senate, the poorest man in Congress. Is that what he just said? What about Hunter Biden's earnings? OK, I mean, isn't that the whole point? Hunter the brothers were taking the money, making the money so Joe could actually stand there with a straight face and say he's the poorest man in Congress. What did Bobolinsky call it? Uh, plausible deniability. And what about that email? Huh? What about that email? 10% held for by H for the big guy. Everybody knows that's Joe held by Hunter. When are we going to get the answers? We will. It's happening. Slowly but surely. Stay with us. Baby Adam, Adam Kinzinger, wants to be president of the United States. Be right back. Real heroes. Real conflict. Real threats. Real heart. Now, there's a place America gets its news. Newsmax, we're real news for real people. Millions are turning off the old channels and switching to Newsmax, the fastest growing cable news channel in America. No agenda, no spin, just the facts. Millions watch us, so can you. Newsmax, we are real news for real people. All I can say is, is that, that the fake news just doesn't, doesn't get, get it, do they? You can watch hours upon hours, centuries actually, of the fake news, add it all up, it'll turn out to be centuries, and not learn a damn thing about what's really happening in terms of race in America, in my opinion. Uh, they're having a silly, foolish conversation about race to avoid having a serious, impactful one that could actually help people. You could watch this, or you could watch Chris Rock. Chris Rock, one of my favorite comedians, Chris Rock, recently and ridiculously hit by Will Smith. Anyway, Chris is a genius. And I know this is comedic, but there's a lot to this. You know, these police-involved shootings and, uh, oh, motorists getting in trouble with cops and the cops shooting unarmed people. That's the fake news narrative. Have you ever thought of it like this? Have you ever been face-to-face -face with a police officer and wondered, 
Is he about to kick my Well, wonder no more. If you follow these easy tips, you'll be fine. First, obey the law. We all know what happened to Rodney King. But Rodney wouldn't have gotten his kicked if he had just followed this simple tip. When you see flashing police lights in your mirror, stop immediately. Everybody knows, if the police have to come and get you, they're bringing a kicking with them. When an officer approaches your car, be polite. Is there a problem, officer? And stay in your car with your hands on the wheel. What the f do you want, mother? Uh, well, that should never happen. But look, Chris Rock speaks the truth. There's a lot of wisdom there. And uh, if Patrick Ioga, uh, 26 years old up in Michigan, hadn't gotten out of the car, hadn't refused to cooperate every step of the way, fought with a cop, none of this would have happened. He was shot and killed over the weekend. So avoiding a serious conversation to um, have a silly one. That's where the mainstream media is. That's not where I am. You know, Barack Obama at one point was brave enough to say there are simple realities that we have to face as a community. Number one, you want to help yourself here? Hmm? Well, graduate from high school. Graduate from high school, number one. That's the number one thing you can do to avoid a life of poverty and avoid incarceration. Also, do not have children out of wedlock. You know, government programs can't do this. This is a culture issue. How about this? Get married and stay married. Again, we can talk about the 1619 Project, things that happened hundreds of years ago where all of us can make better decisions now. Nobody wants to talk about this stuff. It's so much easier to blame things you can't see or control. Just wring your hands about. We've seen with horrifying clarity the cost of systemic racism. We have a system that is built on systemic racism and we have to dismantle that system piece by piece. Racism is systemic, it is structural, it is pervasive. Racism in America is endemic, it is foundational. America has a long history of systemic racism. The battle to achieve racial justice and root out systemic racism in this country. There is systemic racism that must be weeded out. We've got to deal with the, with the issues of systemic racism throughout our society. We have been fighting systemic racism in this country for 400 years. It is systematic or systemic racism through many if not all of our institutions. And it gets to the point of the systemic racism that exists in this country that permeates every social system that we have here. Let's be real that systemic racism is part of our American culture. It's embedded in every facet of life. Uh, systemic racism is just as American as apple pie. So we looked it up. All those people who just went on about systemic white racism and white supremacy. They all graduated from high school, they all got married, and they didn't have children out of wedlock. If only they came on television and talked about those things, they'd actually be helping people. They would. Instead, no, it feels so much, I don't know, more important, more vir virtuous, huh, to talk like this. And it gets to the point of the systemic racism that exists in this country that permeates every social system that we have here. Now, who the hell is that? And what is she talking about? How does she know? Every system we have here 
it permeates, right? Systemic racism, every system. If I lived in a country where every system was systemically racist, I'd move. I really would. I don't want to have anything. I didn't join the military to defend a systemically racist country. How about that? Who is she? Her name is uh, Yasmin, Yasmin something. Uh, Let's see some of the institutions that she's seen. Uh, She was entry-level jobs at E! News and the Howard Stern Show. Great guy, by the way. Great show. Uh, World Poll correspondent for Gallup, CNN correspondent, MSNBC. And that's her conclusion, right? Everything is racist. Just ask Yasmin and her vast experience in life. I wonder what Yasmin would do and any of those other people when they meet a black conservative. They're out there but they're shunned because boy, oh boy, what they have to say, and the late Herman Cain, and of course, Ben Shapiro, not black, but one of the, one of the heroes of, uh, of the movement, this really disrupts the narrative. And that's why they are marginalized and they shouldn't be. They should be celebrated and listened to. All right, now this. You know, you talk about the impact of that day, but you guys won. <laughs> You guys help. You know, democracies are not defined by our bad days. We're defined by how we come back from bad days. How we take accountability for that. This guy, it really is nauseating, isn't it? Baby Adam Kinzinger. Looks like he's in eighth grade. Uh, Career politician, though. He got to Congress like 10 years ago. He's leaving this year. But he has big dreams. Take a look at what he's been talking about uh, in the HuffPost. Adam Kinzinger is slow ghosting Congress, whatever. Now he may want to beat Donald Trump in a primary. Really, baby Adam? What's going on here? The writer asked Kinzinger whether he wants to run against Trump, who is expected to mount a third campaign for president. I would love it. I really would, he said. Huh. Even if he crushed me, he would, like in a primary, to be able to stand up and call out the garbage is just a necessary thing, regardless of who it is. I think it'd be fun. Yeah, swamp-like, you know, running for stuff is fun. Everybody was just like, you didn't vote for Trump. You're a piece of blank, blank, blank. Oh, really? Is that what they said to you? And I dealt with that for four years, he said. Finally, uh, the author, they never give you any respect. You can't, you can't trust the media. This is the author writing. He's shorter than you might expect in person, given the large amount of space he occupies in Trump's head. Um, Trump doesn't talk about him all that often. And by the way, I wish they had written this. He is a liar. This is a lie. For hours we were sitting there, the president didn't say a word. The president of the United States who runs the military, the commander in chief, if he says a word, things happen. To me, that was beyond the pale. Beyond the pale. I hate that slogan. What does it even mean, beyond the pale? Well, it's beyond the pale, uh, if we want to use that, that he's lying in this circumstance. Donald Trump was tweeting and talking and saying, stand down. We don't want this to happen. Peace. Everybody go home. Uh, Multiple tweets and a video message right in the heart of the the period of time that Adam said he was doing Absolutely nothing. Remember that about baby Adam, that self-righteous act of his. Also, uh, ooh, who remembers Harry Dunn from Capitol Hill, uh, the cop? I use an analogy to describe what I want as a hitman. If a hitman is hired and he kills somebody, the hitman goes to jail. 
But not only does the hitman go to jail, but the person who hired them does. There was an attack carried out on January 6th, and a hitman sent them. I want you to get to the bottom of that. Is a police officer on Capitol Hill saying that the president of the United States is a criminal. This guy cannot be trusted with a gun and badge on Capitol Hill. Uh, not only for that ridiculous performance, but the things he was tweeting and saying before January 6th. Racism is so American that when you protest it, people think that you are protesting America. Wow. Fantastic attitude, huh? I'm embarrassed to have once looked up to Secretary Ben Carson. Hey, we were just talking about him. He's great. You have sold out and are acting as a narcissistic and egotistic. You're as egotistic as your boss. Uh, why is murder an appropriate response to property damage, but property damage isn't an appropriate response to murder? These are not the musings of a professional law enforcement officer. They're not. And he still has a gun. He still has a badge. He still shows up for duty when he has time because he's also doing speaking gigs. Take a look. He is uh, on the road. Democracy versus January 6th. He will be speaking. He's the keynote speaker. The causes and consequences of divisive politics and civic unrest. This is incredibly unprofessional for a law enforcement. If he wants to join me on talk radio, talk TV, have at it, Harry. Go with Michael uh, Dunn and uh, do the CNN with him. But this is way out of line, and somebody on Capitol Hill needs to do something about it. This guy needs to be fired, along with several other uh, individuals on Capitol Hill. Maybe the entire force just needs to be gutted. Enrique Tario of the Proud Boys, still in custody. They won't let him out, but they let out accused school shooters in less than a day. Be right back. So this is Enrique Tario. He was the head of the Proud Boys. He already has done time in prison, get this, for burning a Black Lives Matter flag. Yeah, he did prison time for that. If only it had been an American flag, he wouldn't have gotten in so much trouble. So they arrested him after the prison sentence was served uh, early last month. They grabbed him, and uh, yeah, he's in a heap of trouble right now. It seems very unfair to me, but let's go through it. Uh, the charges pending, according to the indictment, one count of each conspiracy to construct, obstruct an official proceeding, uh, and obstruction of an official proceeding. Okay, same difference. Two counts each of assaulting, resisting, impeding certain officers, and destruction of government property. Now, he's been in jail for six weeks, okay? Six weeks. And he came up with a proposal. Look, I'll give you a $1 million bond if you let me, you know, house arrest. Give me an ankle bracelet. I'll wear one of those. He's still in custody. We don't know if he's going to get his wish. We do know, though, that people who are accused of violent acts and that we all know, we all saw the evidence is overwhelming against them are already out of jail and walking among us. How about the shooter at the mall, the alleged shooter at the mall? One of them is already home, out on bail, free to go to and from work. He allegedly had a role in a major mall shootout, but he didn't, he didn't get fired, okay? Some people tweet the wrong thing, they get fired. Who else, uh, high profile? Oh yeah, the uh, alleged school shooter in Arlington, Texas. He was out on bail less than a day later, and 
Uh, oh, yeah, the firebombing uh, lawyers. Uh, allegedly, they uh, took over that NYPD van with Molotov cocktails. They're not, they, they spent barely a night in jail. They've been out on bail ever since. You know, I do think that Enrique Tario could have a great case against the media because whenever they talk about the Proud Boys, which is not white supremacist, it's not, he's Afro-Cuban, by the way. They always ignore that. They always overlook that. They just say Proud Boys, Proud Boys, Proud Boys. He is what he looks like, Afro-Cuban, but they lie about him and his group. The Proud Boys, a far-right, neo-fascist group with a reputation for inciting violence. And the Southern Poverty Law Center has labeled them a hate group. You might remember the Proud Boys as one faction of a white supremacist threat that the former president was asked to condemn in a debate. The Proud Boys are a hate group, right? And they're a symbol as well. The Proud Boys are people who consider them to be members of this group. Give voice to these misogynistic, Islamophobic, anti-Semitic, anti-immigrant views. They're a despicable group by pretty much anyone's standards. Despicable, because we just talked amongst ourselves and we decided they're despicable. Did they ever talk to Enrique Tario? They're not racist. They're not anti-Semitic. They're not politically correct, that's for sure. But that's okay in America. We'll see what happens. In the meantime, uh, people like that reporter and others in the mainstream media continue to worship men, people like Harry Styles, all right? Uh, he's at Coachella right now. And have you noticed the over-the-top celebrity worship that has been taking place for a couple of decades now, at least? Entertainers used to be, you know, fringe characters. You might have a few laughs on Saturday night, but then it was back to work. The national obsession with these guys is ridiculous. And I think he's a little bit ridiculous, too. I, th I saw him the other day, and he's wearing this uh, foolish outfit, in my opinion. Whatever. I just thought, you know what? He's 28 years old. He's healthy. Um, why doesn't he join the Marine Corps? Wouldn't it be great if one of these celebrities joined the Marine Corps? And I put it out there on Twitter. I think Harry Styles would benefit from three years in the Marine Corps. And then all hell broke loose. Oh, boy, this global cyberbullying had gun has this uncultured POS. Yeah, they're calling me that. Ever watched a little movie called Dunkirk? Now keep my king's name out of your mouth. That, that part right there. That got to me, okay? Your king's name. He's nobody's king. God is king. This is, this is a performer. That's it. And then the whole idea that this guy actually served in the military. Oh, they were very touchy about that. Take a look. Uh, you don't do your research, do you, Greg? And they would include a picture of him, uh, not in a uniform, in a costume, okay? Because he was in a movie. Next. This is so insensitive. He is literally a war veteran. Sorry, folks. Harry was not in World War II. He's not old enough. He was in a movie called Dunkirk. And yes, he wore a uh, soldier's uniform as a costume. Here he is actually filming that movie. Christopher Nolan is the director. It was a movie. He wasn't really in the military, and of course he wasn't in Dunkirk, okay? And enough with this celebrity worship. People need to realize these people, these men, these women, they will let you down ultimately. They always will. Hey, how about Will Smith, right? Um, and not very long ago, or maybe a long time ago, I think it was very recent that this celebrity worship started. Um, take a look at this. In the old days, olden days, 
uh, the entertainer would come on at the very end, play the flute for a couple of minutes, and then people would live their lives. Now it's all about the entertainment. It's all about the celebrity. Let me see Will Smith. Uh, here he is. Adulation. Who gets this kinds of adulation? Who deserves it, really? They'll ultimately let you down. But you know who? God never will. All right, stay with us. We're going to meet a professor. They damn near chased him off campus because he refused to use those specialized gender pronouns. But he won. He sued and he won. We'll be right back. So let's think back for a moment when we were in school, say high school or college. Imagine if the student uh, was referred to by the teacher as sir or as ma'am. Personally, I would have been flattered because most of our history, sir or ma'am, those words, you know, they connote respect. A teacher calling a student sir or ma'am, that's just fine. Until very, very recently when everything went crazy. Uh, back in 2018, a professor with many years experience of philosophy at Shawnee State referred to a student as sir, and then all hell broke loose. This student identified as transgender and had a host of pronouns that they wanted used instead. Well, this didn't sit well with Professor Merriweather. He tried to work out a compromise. Then the university started giving him what we think was something of a hard time. Well, I am pleased to report, let's put up the headline, a settlement has just been reached. The university to pay $400,000 to the professor punished for refusing to use the student's preferred pronouns. Let's meet him right now. Nicholas Merriweather, uh, philosophy professor at Shawnee State. He is still employed at the school, was never fired. There he is on the left. Welcome, professor. And also Tyson Langhofer. You're the attorney for the professor, senior counsel at Alliance Defending Freedom. Uh, welcome to you both, uh, Professor Merriweather. That was about a 30-second summary. I hope the gist of it was right. Can you tell me a little bit about that moment when you were confronted by the student back in, what, 2017, 2018, who wasn't too thrilled when you called him sir? Well, it was uh, a tense moment for sure, but I did try to work out an accommodation with the student, and initially the university was fine with that. I would only use his proper feminine first name or his last name if that's what he wanted me to use. And that was fine, at least for a period of time. But then the university changed course and decided to require me to endorse the transgender ideology that the student wanted me to, to, to be forced to endorse. And that's where I had to say, well, I can't do that. The university should not be a place where people's uh, beliefs are, are, are coerced or uh, required to endorse an ideology. The university should be a place where people can exchange ideas, debate, and be free to do that without... Uh, being concerned about being punished for it. So that's why I, I filed the lawsuit. Well, yes, free speech is, you know, freedom to say something and freedom not to say something. Tyson Langhofer, what law, what uh, regulation was the university violating uh, when it told the professor that he had no option? Well, the First Amendment, if it means anything, it means that the government can't uh, punish you if you choose not to say something that it wants you to say. And so this was never about anything that Dr. Merriweather said or did, only about what the university was demanding that he say. 
and Dr. Merriweather was punished uh, simply for declining to express a belief, a message that he doesn't agree with. And if the first the First Amendment clearly says you can't do that, the government cannot compel you to do something uh, or say something that you don't want to do. And Professor, how were you? We've, we've thrown around the word punished. I know things got tense there. Did they take away any of your uh, your classes? How were you punished? Well, I received what is known as a letter in my file, but that was the prelude to being terminated. Fortunately for me, Alliance Defending Freedom was ready to file the lawsuit when that occurred, so it never got any farther. But if it hadn't been for ADF filing the lawsuit, I probably would be terminated by now. Well, I love it that you had uh, the cavalry ready to help out. By the way, this student, I'm curious... uh, if there was ever a meeting of the minds, I mean, when you said, look, let's let's see if we can find a compromise. This student used some horrific hate speech directed at you. My understanding is the student was not disciplined in any uh, in any way, shape or form. Um, what are your thoughts about this student and, uh, and and where things stand now? Well, as a matter of fact, the student remained in the class and the student performed quite well. The student is very bright. We got along, I thought, quite well. Uh, all the way to the end of the semester. There were never any more problems, but this really wasn't about the student. I think I think the uh, there's a sense in which the student is not the central, uh, uh, the, the thing that is most important here. The thing that is most important is that the university had decided to require me to endorse an ideology that I didn't agree with. And so that was actually always the issue. Well, the U.S. Circuit, the sixth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in March of 2021 found that the school had violated your uh, right to free speech and a settlement was very much in their interest. I'm curious if either of you gentlemen are familiar with Jordan Peterson. He famously fought a very similar battle against the University of Toronto. All hell broke loose up there when he refused to use these um, these required pronouns. He didn't feel it was fair. Take a look. I didn't care if transgender people wanted to be called by some pronouns, like whatever. That's something for individuals to negotiate. When the, when the government makes that a compulsion and insists in their legislation that biological sex, uh, gender identity, gender expression and sexual proclivity vary independently, it's like, no, they don't. That's wrong factually, and you're not going to compel my speech. Were you aware of him, and was he at all an inspiration to you first, Professor? I was aware of him. I'm not sure that he was an inspiration. Uh, I didn't really think about it in those terms. I just knew that my speech was being coerced and that I could not allow that to happen. But I, I was aware of who he is. That's that's uh, certainly the case. I'm going to let you get the phone or one of you gentlemen get the phone and uh, follow up. What was the what was the reaction like? What has been the reaction on on campus? I mean, look, we've got woke professors all over the place, woke students. Did they give you a hard time or were they understanding about your position and your values and where you are coming from? First to you, Professor, again, if you don't mind. Well, there is a there is a a very uh, big divide in higher ed. I think everybody is aware of that. Uh, We are a divided faculty here. We're a divided faculty all over the country. And so the the feelings are quite strong. I I have not received any kind of uh, threats or insults from any faculty members. And the students have been actually quite curious and interested. I think the students deserve to be able to hear this debate play itself out. This is very important to me. The students are very curious about all of these issues. 
And we need to be able to discuss them and debate them freely without being told we have to uh, take one side or the other in the controversy. And that was exactly what was at stake. The universities are losing their ability to provide a place for ideas to be exchanged, and they're becoming basically an assembly line for one type of thought. And that, I think, really harms the role of the state university in American civil life. So yeah. I think that this is an extremely important issue for all professors all over the United States. It wasn't just about me and my job. It's about the role of the university in public life and the freedom professors have to represent their views to their students. I know you'll put that money to good use. $400,000 coming your way. And finally, uh, to your lawyer, uh, Tyson. Well, that's, uh, that actually is mostly legal fees. I'll just make that point very quickly. I, I don't see a lot of that, but that's okay. Well, Tyson, I don't know. I mean, he was the guy. Maybe you guys can work something. No, listen, Tyson, uh, this is happening all over the country. What's next for you guys? And would, would you say this is a precedent, uh, what the Sixth Circuit did here? Is this precedent? Does this now hold for uh, this kind of debate anywhere on universities, campuses at least? Well, it definitely does for uh, professors in the Sixth Circuit and every state that's in the Sixth Circuit. They yeah. all can now rest easy to knowing that the university can't force them to speak messages they disagree with, regardless of whether they agree with Dr. Merriweather or not. But unfortunately, there are many, many other people facing this same type of issue, we, especially K-12 through teachers throughout the country are facing this type of issue. And it's a big issue. It's not just limited to pronouns. It, it, you know, it also implicates parental rights, the rights to yeah. know about what their students are doing at school. So we need to continue to right. fight this battle, but this should give us an encouragement. Awesome. Professor Merriweather, congratulations. Tyson Langhofer, congratulations to you. Check out the Alliance for Defending Freedom, ADF. Thank you both, and we'll be right back. So take a look at these folks. They are swimming the Rio Grande. Um, funny, I've seen people walk across it. I haven't seen too much of this, but swimming across the Rio Grande, people do it to get into our country illegally. And oh, by the way, it's very, very dangerous. Uh, an interesting media campaign south of the border to help these people is underway. I'd like to first bring in Jorge Bonilla. He is the director of the Media Research Center Latino. Uh, Jorge, welcome back to Newsmax. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me back. So, look, um, we have a news clip. There is instructional programs in places like Nicaragua and other places aimed at teaching people how to swim across the Rio Grande. Uh, I was a little bit shocked. We're going to show a clip in a moment. Do you think this was a one-off thing, you know, a television segment because they were filling time? Or is this a systemic, uh, widespread effort to really teach people how to swim across this river? It's, it's part of a systemic effort, uh, certainly promoting a video that would uh, give people the hope of learning how to swim across the river is part of that system. These networks, both Univision and Telemundo, Greg, they depend on a constant inflow of illegal immigrants uh, in order to survive. Jorge Ramos went to Harvard in 2015, I believe it was, and he said as much. He said that so long as you have a million and a half to two million illegal immigrants coming over, uh, year after year, Spanish language media will survive. So it's in these networks' best corporate interest to, to promote illegal immigration, whether it's giving airtime to coyotes or promoting uh, swim classes across a dangerous Rio Grande. It's part and parcel of the plan.
Let me ask you, we're going to show the swim uh, moment in, in a second, the, the program, and it's kind of wild that they're talking about it, but what are they getting at? Like, how does that media company do better? I mean, there are people who speak English and Spanish, and maybe they want to hear some Spanish television. Why do they need a constant influx of, uh, of new audience members? Well, because if you look at the growth of the Hispanic population in the U.S., Greg, it is mostly now, and it, it has been for years, people that are born in the U.S., so it may be that somebody comes over the river and, and watches Univision and Telemundo, but they have kids, they go to school in English, they watch whatever their friends are watching in English. When I was growing up, I didn't watch Univision and Telemundo routinely. I grew up watching Channel 5 in New York, uh, you know, Tom and Jerry cartoons, Bugs Bunny in English. This was what I primarily consumed. So it follows that with these kids, you know, they, they, as, they, as they grow, and as they acculturate into the U.S., they watch English language TV. So you need those new migrants coming over year after year in order to fill that void and, and to keep getting those eyeballs and those clicks. And now it looks like they're getting giving lessons on how to get here because they need this audience. This is a clip from, um, uh, I believe this is Univision, correct? That's correct. It's from uh, Univision's Midday Newscast. All right, let's take a look. And again, this guy is promoting a swim program to teach people how to swim across the Rio Grande. Me pregunto, Mario, obviamente cuando la gente ve el Rio Bravo, se ve muy tranquilo, aguas mansas, como lo es una piscina, sin embargo, hay muchísimas corrientes que son peligrosísimas. ¿Cómo hacen ustedes para que su piscina, su alberca, tenga aguas turbulentas parecidas a las del Rio Bravo y que la gente realmente aprenda a nadar en contra de la corriente? Exacto. Eh... Nosotros hicimos un, un túnel con unas carrileras en la piscina y pusimos a 10 personas a cada lado con unas tablas y creamos una turbulencia tirando agua a la persona que iba pasando sobre el canal. Así que están realmente serios about this. I was uh, taken aback that there should be on television. How to swim? Just call me for a lesson. At the same time, do you think it actually, in a weird way, saves lives or does it endanger them? Uh, it's probably looking at it at the aggregate, it, it probably endangers them. If it gives people hope that they can swim over the Rio Grande, the Rio Grande, as we know, is very dangerous. It has a very strong current. Um, you know, even a few feet of water is enough to drag somebody under with, with those strong currents. I mean, this isn't like when, when you're in the service and they're giving you swim calls and they teach you how to roll and how to do survival swim. That's not going to cut it in the Rio Grande with somebody who doesn't know how to swim. You got to know how to swim. And, and all this does is, is really give people a false hope and, and further promotes uh, with everything that's going on along the southern border with Title 42 uh, about to get ripped away. It just promotes more people coming into a dangerous situation. And as we go to as we go to break that water, it looks sometimes placid. It looks like you can swim it. You can't. In places on the Rio Grande, it is very turbulent, very dangerous, and you don't want to go in there. Here they're walking. And uh, there are other areas where it's too deep and you can't. Uh, so it's bad news all around. Jorge Bonilla, we appreciate it from the Media Research Center. So much great work there. Thank you, sir. And we'll be right back. Ukraine war, China, Iran. Now, Grant Stitchfield's special Dangerous Joe looks at how Joe Biden's decisions are hurting America. Stinchfield even talks about the Trump factor. Don't miss this on Stinchfield.
Hey, tomorrow night, a special town hall from Ohio, hosted by Rob Schmidt. Uh, have a good one, folks. I'll see you tomorrow night.